Good morning. Good morning. Came in this morning. I asked TJ if he was preaching. He said he wasn't. So I, I'll see if I can wing it. Well, hopefully you have your outlines with you, and hopefully my slideshow works. <laughs> Is the mic on too? Yeah. Okay. Here we go. <laughs> I thought that was my stomach. <laughs> there, there are, yeah, there's a pen if you want some outlines. We're going to be continuing our study in Ezekiel 37. I know that surprises you. And uh, we ended last night with a reality, I believe, that God has led you here for a question. He led you here, a valley of dry bones. Perhaps He led you to man camp. I'm just going to stay put because I'm holding this too. So He led you here to uh, man camp, to this valley of dry bones, and He has a question. Can these dry bones live? I was telling you last time, last night, that by man camp 2022, um, came around. I was pretty spent. I had a rough 2021. I didn't even tell you last night how fun COVID was, but if you know pastors during COVID, that was exciting. It made for churches and decisions that never came to fruit and fighting over those decisions you made. And, and then there was cancer for my wife. Then there was divorce in the church. And then there was sabbatical that did very little for me. Uh, internally outside of just giving me a bit of rest and some break from the grind and routine that by the time of Man Camp 2022, uh, I, I, I was coming not expecting anything. I was coming because it was the end of February and that's what you do at the end of February. I was coming sure exhausted, a bit spent, and maybe mindful of that. But I'm kind of a lazy worrier. I just kind of diagnose problems and then I'll just do very little to rectify them. I just Chalk it up. Well, I'm in a season. So what? And not really thinking I can do anything about it. I just live with it. So I came and we had some great speakers and Roy asked me to introduce him to speak. And, uh, and there were a few moments I want us to consider. If you remember, I told you that as I sat there and the music was playing, that I, what I felt the Lord prompted me was namely, read Ezekiel, read the Valley of Dry Bones. Now here's the thing, I'm I'm a pastor, I've been a Christian all my life, I've been in some sort of more official capacity of ministry since before I graduated high school, if you call a few sermons I preached while I was still in high school, a church ministry, and I led the youth group, the very first thing I graduated, and then the next fall I was, you know, 18 and leading these youth group members about two years younger than me, because I'm suddenly much more smarter than they are, I don't know how. All this to say, I'm kind of familiar with those moments that feel like that there's this prompt, this this nudge of the Holy Spirit. And I don't say all that to say that official ministry post lends you more opportunities for the Holy Spirit to work. I'm just saying I've been in the sphere of of church culture, Christian culture, Holy Spirit culture as a genuine Christian for many years. And from what I can tell, for me, there seems to be sometimes when He calls us the things that make sense, 
And other times and other things, he calls us to things that don't make sense. And many times, it can be both at the same time. Uh, Roy says, because Roy's the Holy Spirit, Roy says, hey, Kevin, introduce me to speak. That makes sense. doesn't really need Holy Spirit discerning to make a decision on that. Then all of a sudden, okay, let me read a random passage from the Old Testament that has nothing to do with Roy. That doesn't make sense. But very quickly, I, I say, oh, this is a church-style type gathering. Readings from the Scripture are probably to be expected. So that makes sense. Here is a, a valley of dry, dead bones. Science tells us personal experience. Human history tells us dry, dead bones do nothing but fill up space until they are somehow diminished altogether by whatever means, decomposition, etc. Holy Spirit leads a prophet out. And he asks him a bizarre, not much thinking required question. Can these bones live? Well, the answer that we're going to read really doesn't make sense. But it does make sense if we know God. So, I want to read the entire passage again for this weekend, but I'm going to be looking at verses 4-8 through this morning. I invite you to stand one last time if you're able, in honor of hearing the word of the Lord. Let's read this together. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and set me down in the middle of the valley, and it was full of bones. And He caused me to pass among them round about. And behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. And He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, Thou knowest. Again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause you breath to enter you, that you may come to life, and I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain that they come to life. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them. And they came to life and stood on their feet in exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope has perished. We are completely cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and cause you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves and caused you to come up out of your graves, my people, and I will put my spirit within you, and you will come to life, and I will place you on your own land, then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken and done it, declares the Lord. Father, we thank you again for your word. 
We trust its weight, its gravity, its living and active nature. We trust that you use it to do surgery in the places where no physician can go. We trust that you were present for the writing of these words, and we trust that you're present with us today. We trust that you can open up hearts and ears and minds to receive your word. We trust your grace and your spirit to prompt us into obedience and responding in the way that we should. So help us to do those things. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We ask that you would be the one speaking and not I. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Dry bones respond to the word of the Lord. The Spirit brings life from death and faith and obedience. That's our heading this morning in these five and a half verses. Dry bones respond to the word of the Lord. The Spirit brings life from death and faith and obedience. Can these bones live? You have a pile of of dead bones somewhere in your life. Israel had a had and was a pile of dead bones. It exiled a conquered nation, a conquered people, no more temple, no army. They were as strong as one measly little ant against a battalion of tanks. Can these bones live? Did you go to the graveyard to ask the question? Can these bones live? What are your bones? Maybe you can't even pinpoint the first decision made, the first wrong detour. All you know is that what you got now doesn't work. You've been addicted too long. You've been a hot-headed so much and you chalk it up to just being part of your personality type. I'm a J-E-R-K. I just can't help it. It's in my genes. My dad flew off the handle, so I do. You'll, you'll have to make excuses for my Anger, so you tell your wife or your kids or your friends that you constantly abuse with your words. I had thus and so done to me, so it's okay, but it's it's really not. Does the Lord think it's okay? I made all the wrong decisions and now I have no money. I have no time. I have no way or avenue to, to begin to unravel the mess I made, and it's hopeless, it's dry bones, it's a graveyard. I had a dream, but life got in the way. I brought the dream up and they killed it. I brought the dream up, and but the risk was too great. We would have to sell the house. We'd have to move from all of our friends and families and communities. And the reality was that my dream was just unrealistic and now it's too late. And if God gave me that dream, I failed Him. I failed those around me. I failed to lead and now it's too late. Can these bones live? asks God. O Lord God, Thou knowest. That's a declaration of sovereignty. God knows about your dry bones. And God knows if they can live. And as Ezekiel stands amid a valley of dry, unmovable, useless, hopeless, Lifeless bones. What does God begin to, what does God do to begin His restoration, His resurrecting these dry bones? Verse 4, 
Again he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones respond to the word of the Lord. Now I'm a pastor, I told you I've been a Christian all my life. I'll be the first to admit, not my first recourse. Right? Like, not my first decision. But in the providence of God, here's how this plays out. On the very day I sat down to write this message, which was near the beginning of February, I received a phone call from a trusted confidant of mine, and he tells me, I need an accountability partner. I've been struggling with lust, pornography. And so I told him, you wacko. You've got to be the only person on planet Earth who struggles with it. You're in your own category of morbid sinning. Go you. I said that because I'm a good, kind, compassionate pastor. No, actually I didn't. Um, rather, I said, yes. And I talked to him about it and I checked in. And I said, I'll check in with you. Then after I got off the phone, I had this harebrained idea. Like many people, he said, you know, this is when I'm most tempted. This is when I'm home alone, etc. And I thought to myself, that sounds like a great time to be committing to memory a passage like Proverbs 5, which is really relevant in this struggle. When I first felt called into ministry, I met with my pastor once a week, my mentor, and he had me commit to memory the books of First and Second Timothy and Titus. You didn't know those are called the pastoral epistles. It's Paul writing to up-and-coming pastors. And he gave me a method on how to do that. And so I used this same method. And now I have this guy remembering Proverbs chapter 5. Now, think with me. How sensible is this? I struggle with pornography. And amid the things I'm doing, checking in with him and so forth, and I also say, hey, take these words about battling this sort of sin and repeat them to yourself so much that you remember them. (laughs) How sensible is that? If we think about the purely physical, dare we say even somewhat scientifically logical, I don't know if we can make sense out of it on the surface level. How is repeating these words over and over going to really help me? But God says dry bones respond to the word of the Lord. It's interesting that before anything physical, as Ezekiel surveys a graveyard of dead bones, God tells him, prophesy over these bones. I don't know what your bones are, but I do know this. Dry bones respond to the word of the Lord. Maybe you've already seen it, but in the back of your your little booklets, I think around page 8 is where it begins, I have a few passages that you can be committing to memory and a few suggestions for maybe what your dry bones might be. Proverbs 5 and lusting among the passages I did for you if you're one of those wacko, morbid sinners. Just kidding. But the process is fairly straight forward. You just take the first uh, letter of every word in a given passage and you just put those down on a sheet to remember. You can have the passage next to you and if you're like me, within a few days you don't need even the Bible. You can just recite the whole passage from the first word, uh, first letter of every word. Now I wish I knew what translation you like. I would have had everybody's favorite translation in those booklets. But this was a little bit of a labor-intensive process, and so I just configured these memory sheets with the translation I'm preaching out of. And uh, I, I think in the booklet, the, the two passages I put down was for lusting and for a uh, wicked tongue, James 3, the other one. 
And then I think I put most of the passage in there with you so you can be remembering. The first thing God tells Ezekiel as he surveys a valley of dry bones is prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Dry bones, respond to the word of the Lord. See, nothing responded to the Lord and became creation by His command. That's the, uh, that's the idea here. That's what we're supposed to remember in Ezekiel, that, that a recreation, a resurrection of how creation came out of nothing by God's command. So now this lifeless graveyard will respond to the word of the Lord. And how often do we forget that in the middle of our valleys? Surely He can't fix this. I've made too much of a mess. The next time you see a giant feat of creation, I don't know, a mountain, the Grand Canyon, say to yourself, nothing responded to God at His Word and this was made. I wonder if He's got your valley fixed, brother. Maybe it's in the bag, I don't know. Dry bones respond to the Word of the Lord and now the Spirit brings life from death. Look at Look with me at verses 5 and 6. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you that you may come to life, and I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and, and put breath in you that you may come alive, and you will know that I am the Lord. Now, I'm going to get a little bit technical, so follow me. Thanks to this text originally being written in Hebrew, and we're getting to read it in English. There is a word in this passage that's repeated quite often, and it's not, excuse me, it's not dry bones, it's not dead. It's actually breath in these verses. But in verses 1, 5, 6, 8, 9, 10, and 14, and according to some other commentaries, maybe some other verses as well, it might be spirit or wind in your English translations. And it's all the same Hebrew word. And while some translations might try to put the same, I don't know, I didn't check every Bible, but they might try to put the same word in every verse. The reason most translations use three English words for the same Hebrew word is context. So let me give you an example. Uh, okay, there's, that was what that's supposed to be. Let me give you an example. For example, the key for the door in question, no. The key for the key door in that huge building is out one of the Florida keys. Just make sure you're using the map key when navigating there and you'll find the key. Now, that might even make some English people say, can you say that differently? So, the key for the door in question in that huge building is out one of the islands south of Florida. Just use the map legend when you're navigating there and you'll find the key. My point is, is context necessitates more specific English words at times even when the Hebrew word is the same. Does that make sense? However, as Bible translators like to quote, translation is treason. <laughs> and so we might lose some wordplay or maybe some nuance the original author tried to fit in, namely for Ezekiel here, the same word being used several times. We may not see that same word all the time. So breath to enter you 
If I can go to the next slide. Now it's not working. Can we go to the next slide, please? Just hit a button. Oh, it must be frozen. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, okay, there we go. Thank you. Breath to enter you that may come to life. Breath is the same as spirit as in verse 1. He brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of valley of the valley. Thus, Ezekiel is prophesying that God's Spirit would enter into these dry bones to come to life. And I think we're supposed to recall Genesis 2 here as Moses gave us a more clear picture of how man was created. He said there that the Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and became a living being. The Spirit brings life from death. I'm a, I've slowly become a bit of a Linux nut. Anybody here know Linux? You've heard of it and you're like, what is that? So, among the things I like about Linux is reviving old laptops that people have thrown away. For example, I was at my parents earlier this month downstairs. I don't know if any of you have ever watched that TV show Hoarders. This could probably be a good episode. (laughs) I don't know what was going on. I kid you not. I think I found three to four printers down there, two old desktop computers, and and I came across this old laptop. And whenever you're a Linux nut and you find old computers, it's like finding gold at the end of a rainbow. And so I took this old laptop, and there was this sticker on it that said Windows 7. I booted up and something's wrong with the operating system. It's probably why my dad just closed it and bought a new laptop in like 2010. So when I look at the specs, I'm not going to bore you. Just know that compared to our systems for about the last decade, this old laptop had a hamster wheel with an aged, decrepit, half-eaten guinea pig trying to run it inside. And it, it took me a while, but I was finally able to put a Linux distribution. Uh, Linux comes in many flavors like ice cream. And uh, I was able to put one on there, and it, it runs this old laptop fairly well. It has all up-to-date software. It, you can browse the Internet, watch videos on it. I've just given it new life, and I didn't even change any of the insides. My point is, is I've given life to something thought dead. Now, I'm not smart enough like some people to just build a computer from scratch, but I do know now how to give life to computers that are considered by some dead. And God's telling Ezekiel to prophesy to these dry, dead bones. Now, we're not talking about laptops. We're talking about dust and ashes to come to life. To be people complete with sinews back on you. Make flesh grow back on you. Cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive. And for Ezekiel and Israel, this is hope. Hope from their exile, from their place of defeat, their place of this case has been closed, it's locked up, shredded, lost and forgotten. And God is saying, I can work with that. I can bring life from that. I wonder if you need to hear that today. Where are you dead? Where is the Holy Spirit pricking you where you've said, I was never going to go there again? 
I, I just pushed it to a corner of my mind. I labeled it defeated, rejected, just live with it. But God says to Israel, conquered, defeated, strengthless, I can bring life from you. And God says to you in your dry bones, my spirit brings life from death. Because that's who God is. He's a redeemer. That's what he went to school for. That's what Christ does. He's a redeemer. You know, I noticed something in John 15 once that made me intrigued. First, first off, in the friends denomination, John 15 is where Jesus says, you are my friend if you do what I command. But in John 15, I discovered something about the gospel. The central gospel of our faith. We know, profess, believe this, that Christ dies in our place for our sin, that He is our righteousness, that He lives the life we should live. He dies the death we deserve to die. He rises again. He gives us His righteousness. That's how we're saved and justified. Justified meaning declared right before God. But there's this interesting line that Jesus says to His followers that throws a bit of a a wrench into that understanding of the Gospel. Notice this in John 15, verse 3. You are already clean because of the Word which I have spoken you. See, this is before Christ goes to the cross. This is before death, burial, resurrection, and, and that transaction, that great exchange takes place. His death for my life. Christ says, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. What does this mean? Now, most most notes and commentaries would point us back to John 13. And Jesus takes this basin and towel. He's washing people. John 13, 10 and 11 says, Jesus said to him, that is Peter, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet but is completely clean. And he says, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew that one, the one who was betraying him. For this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. Now, perhaps it is here that Jesus is referring back to in John 15, verse 3, because of the word which I have spoken to you, you are clean. And just as Jesus says to some, your sins are forgiven. Or he says to others, be healed. Still others, he says to their tongue, be loosened. So when Jesus says you're clean, you're clean. Do you know that you're clean today? God is commissioning Ezekiel to prophesy over dead bones. What is God commissioning you today to say to your dead bones? How will his word and his spirit bring life from death? Do you believe it? Can it happen? Now I told you over and over last night, I'm not a Pentecostal, right? I, I've never been a name it and claim it guy, and I'm not now, but I do believe the Bible, and I believe God's Word, and I believe His Word brings life out of death. See, I believe that God does not want any of His sons to live in sin. I don't believe God wants any of His sons to have dreams that God might fill them with to then go unfulfilled, be lost, dead, and forgotten. 
What are your bones? What does God want you to prophesy to your dead bones? The Spirit brings life from death. All it takes is faith and obedience. That's our last point as we look at the last verse and a half this morning. Look with me to Ezekiel 37, 7 and the first part of 8. Ezekiel says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, sinews were on them, and flesh grew, and skin covered them. And as for the breath, we're going to consider that for tonight. But for now, I want us to see this and consider this. See, it's one thing to see a graveyard full of dead, dry bones, right? It's about as exciting as watching grass grow. Maybe even less exciting. Just a graveyard, valley full of dead, dry bones. It's it's one thing to be prompted by God, prophesy to these dead, dry bones. But now Ezekiel has to act on this. Sadly, there's this man who has schizophrenia in Woodland. Woodland is an unincorporated community. It's about a half hour from what most people might call civilization, and even then, civilization being Kamii is a relative term. Woodland, though, is not a city, not a town, just quite a few houses and obviously a church and a firehouse. And one guy, Mark, walks the streets at times. He has a Christian background, and so half the time he's yelling about the King James Bible. And he's yelling religiously related phrases. He's a grown man my age. He lives at home with his parents. And because of their religious background, they're not finding him any professional help. That's what I gather. And I've talked to them at length because there's been a few times where Mark has entered our church on a Sunday or some other day. I found him a few times unexpectedly. I'm going over to the church to work on my sermon and I'm literally greeted by a crazy man and his dog. And I'll never forget, I was out playing with our boys in our front yard and from a long ways off, I could hear Mark yelling. So I tell the boys, let's go put our bikes away and we go inside. Mark has never hurt anyone. And he's not always, but he's not always in the most friendliest of moods. His yelling makes him come across that way. He seems angry. Sure enough, before too long, the boys are inside and I see Mark coming around the corner and then across the road, I see him for literally 10 to 15 minutes staring adamantly at a fence post and talking to it. It's sad. Because in his mind, well, I don't know, I've never had schizophrenia. Don't think I've ever hallucinated, but it appears that Mark seems to think this is logical, this is normal. My connection here now is that Ezekiel has to prophesy to these bones. I mean, I'm imagining Mark in a graveyard. Remember that graveyard you're supposed to go to to see if there's any activity? Now imagine some guy in there speaking, trying to get them to come back to life. Sometimes God calls us to things that don't make sense, right? Like I opened with, sometimes things make sense. Other times I'm asked to introduce Roy to speak, so I decide to open up a Bible and read a passage of Scripture. Sometimes, like Peter, if you know your New Testaments, you need to go out on the roof to wait for lunch, and then God gives you a dream showing you a bunch of animals you're never supposed to eat, saying, rise, kill, and eat. And then you're greeted by a person you're not supposed to commune with so you can go and share the gospel to people you're not supposed to convert. 
Sometimes the porn addict should commit Proverbs 5 to memory. Sometimes in a culture that is connected to 40 different devices, I need two computers, a tablet, and this to make my sermon work. (laughs) But sometimes in a culture connected to 40 different devices, phones and computers and tablets, in order to kill sin, sometimes Jesus says, gouge an eye out. Cut a hand off. Cut a foot off. In other words, go to drastic, culture-challenging lengths. Disconnect from computers, phones, and devices if you have to because the Holy Spirit says, I can make life from death if you just trust me. And if you're obedient. And as Ezekiel is obedient, God is faithful. You know, I think sometimes Christians, or maybe even non-Christians might say, God never shows up in my life. I never see anything happen. Ask that to the faith risk takers. Ask that to the folks who have stepped out only on faith. And by that I mean, I think God's called me to do this and then it ends only on think. Not a certainty. You hear the difference in that? The moment I got up to read Ezekiel 37 last year, it wasn't a big risk. I could have read it. It could have hit nobody. I could have sat down. Perhaps everyone in the room could have been thinking, okay, didn't really care to hear that. I would have never known. Do you know when I was called to Woodland Friends as the pastor, uh, the church in that instance actually interviewed two people back to back. Me and one other guy, and the church extended the call to the other guy. We'll call his name Ezekiel, just a random name I came up with. Well, Ezekiel ended up turning Woodland Friends down. And this all took place around April to June of 2013. And one of the mentors, maybe some of you know, Gil George, Gil and Louise George, I was talking to about Woodland Friends and my being there at the time. And I told him, I don't know what's going on. They extended the call to the other guy. And and Gil told me, you know, if you get into Woodland Friends, even by the back door, I feel like God wants you there. I kind of agreed. Turns out, Ezekiel turned down Woodland Friends and said, I'm going with this other church. So I told Woodland Friends in July, if you'll have me, I'll continue to provide pulpit fill until you find a pastor for the church. Behind closed door, behind closed doors, I am getting whiffs off and I'm hearing, well, we turned Kevin down and Ezekiel said no, so what do we do? Now for me, this is risking it. I'm just going to do pulpit fill, feeling like my future is up in the air. Christy and I are living in Moscow, two and a half hours away, or about two hours away. She's finishing college. I'm holding down a five-day-a-week job, and we're traveling to Woodland every weekend to do pulpit fill. Finally, October comes around, and I remember because it's on my birthday, and I get a call from the clerk at Woodland Friends. and They say, basically, we want to try you out for a year and a half as a pastor, and then we'll revisit it. And I say, you want me to move from Moscow out of an apartment, move everything into the parsonage, and be promised only a year and a half with a threat of having to find a place to move all over again then if it doesn't work out. And at that point, the jobs that Christy and I have, it would be a drop in pay, although we would get a bigger parsonage, a house to live in. The clerk kind of thinks about it and he says, I guess so. So I said, I'm in. Kind of risky. But you know what? At that point, I thought, I didn't know, but I thought God was calling me. 
I moved in, a year and a half came around, and by this coming October, I'll have been the pastor for ten years. God told Ezekiel, the biblical Ezekiel this time, to talk to dead bones. Because that happens every day. But Ezekiel did, and before Ezekiel's very eyes, they start coming back to life. What's your valley of dry bones? What's your graveyard? What's the dead part of your life? Is it a sin that needs repenting once and for all? I'm just going to tell you, Scripture is great, memorize it. Get an accountability partner if you need one. Is there an unexplored, unchaste, God-given dream? Is there a relationship that the Holy Spirit's pricked you before to get straightened out? How does the Lord want you to prophesy to those bones? I guess I'm not too much of a hardcore pastor. I just give dares a lot. Here's my dare today. I don't threaten you with God's wrath. But I dare you to start committing to memory one of those passages in the back of your booklets. Those sheets of said passages are also in your books. But I wonder if the Holy Spirit's calling you to do another action too. To do something besides committing passages to memory because He often does. And I also wonder if like Ezekiel, you're going to be bold and obedient enough to do it no matter how risky. How drastic. In some cases, maybe, and I say this reticently, but I trust all of you enough to be wise and discerning with the Holy Spirit and with godly counselors. But dare I say, are you bold and obedient enough to do it when it may not make sense? Just leave you with that and let's pray. Father, as we read this passage and slow down and unpack it, we think about that moment where it is between God commanding Ezekiel to do something and then Ezekiel having to stand in a valley of dry bones and wonder, are the words I'm going to say bring these bones back to life or will I stand out here look like an idiot? Some of us are wrestling with something. We have our own valleys of dry bones and could it be that the things you're calling us to do to raise dry bones back to life look stupid? Doesn't make sense? Holy Spirit, I trust you enough to know that you can give discernment to these men to know what's your voice and what isn't. I trust your godly counselors enough to know that they can counsel other men what's what's of you and what isn't. But also I pray there comes a time whenever we don't need certainties, we can just rely on faith and say, Lord, I think you're calling me out here and I trust you enough to know to go. So Father, whatever it is, whatever the valleys of dry bones are, I pray that you would be restoring life today. We love you and we thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.